dude's filled with action from beginning to end. And uh, I believe the Lord has a word for us in there this morning. This morning is we uh, will begin our Christmas series next next week, and we're going to finish up this morning a thought that we've been looking at for quite some time, and it's living in a transitional world, living in those transitional moments, and what that means to us and what it means to our lives, and how do we live in that? The first message that we looked at, it was a simple message that dealt with a personal, a transitional moment in our personal life came out of the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, they had a, a moment, they had to make a decision, and their decision transitioned their life forever. Then also, we looked at a transitional moment in a country. We looked at that, and that message dealing with how countries go through transition and how we as a country are going through some transitions right now. We're, we're, we're transitioning, we're looking differently, we're doing things differently than what we've done in the past, and what does that mean for us, and how do we live in a transitional moment in a country? Then we looked at a moment of Matt, Matt preached a message on having joy in the middle of transition. Now, that's hard to do sometimes. When you're going through transitions and your, your uh, cookies are being crumbled, amen, sometimes it's hard to have joy in those moments. And then last week we looked at a message that dealt with a transitional moment in a church. We looked at Acts chapter 2 and how religion changed that day. How everything was different from that point. And it all took a different look. It took a different turn. And how the religion of the past was no longer needed. It was no longer really uh, what was going to be the way of the future. Because Jesus had come. He had given his life. He had laid down... <laughs> his life, <coughs> excuse me, on the cross and was going in a new direction. And so we, we looked at that and how our church in Peru is in transition, we're in transition, what that means for us. And so this morning, I want us to look at a transitional moment in our homes. Oh, mercy. Uh, I, I know, that's kind of how I felt all week for the last several months because I knew this one was coming transitional moment in a home see in our home as husband and wives we have to make decisions for the outcome of the home and the decisions that we make today will affect our home in the future it will affect what we're doing in the future and so this morning if you have your bible turn with me to the book of acts the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in chapter 4. Transitional moment in a home. An interesting thing was happening in chapter 4. Uh, you know the story very familiar. Peter and John was going to the temple to pray, and a guy was asking for money. And <clears throat> Peter looked at him and made that famous statement. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And that guy's life was transformed. And everybody saw the supernatural miracle take place. They knew the beggar. And all of a sudden, this guy who was out begging now comes leaping and dancing. Well, that'll get some attention. It's probably a Baptist church because they all got a little antsy when they started dancing. <laughs> How about we say it wasn't a Baptist church. It was just a very straight lace one probably. Uh, so, man, all of a sudden, this guy comes in there, and, and as the old country preacher said, what he, had, what he, he was having a holy hooting nanny. I mean, he was having a good time in the spirit. I mean, all of a sudden, his legs that were lame are now strengthened, and they can walk. He can walk. I mean, come on, you dance too, amen? And so, man, the religious leaders, who's part of the church that's transitioning against their will, hmm, <laughs> Can I say that again? The religious leaders of a church <coughs> going through a choke trying to say it. Going through a transition was having a hard time. Because things were happening that they could not explain. <coughs> so they get these guys together. And they said, What are we going to do with them? We can't punish them. 
because everybody knows this was of God. And so while he found himself in the predicament that most church leaders do who's going through transitions in their church. So they made this decision. They said, well, you know, that bunch of boys, there's no doubt about it. That's just a bunch of fishermen and uneducated. I can tell by the way they talk, they're uneducated and untrained and unlearned men. But you know what? They have to have been with Jesus. Because that's the only way these things can happen. One of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. It says they were unlearned, untrained men, but they knew they had been with Jesus. Wow. So here's what they do. They get them together and said, okay, boys, we're going to let you go. But now what you do, you go out there and you don't do this no more. Don't, you, don't go heal nobody else and it'll be okay. Don't, don't, don't start causing a commotion and everything will be okay. You with me? I've heard people in church say that to fired up, born again, new believers. Oh, oh, well, you know, they always say a new broom sweeps well, but give it a little time, they'll lose their fizzle. The faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first is what Adrian Rogers said. Now, so they told him to go back. Now, that's where we are. So in your Bible, the book of Acts, chapter 4, here's what they happened. They went back, and man, here's what they went and did. This isn't going to be up on the screen, but let me just show you this in your Bible. It says in Acts 4 and 29, it says they went back, realized they had been threatened, and they <laughs> went back in verse 30, and they began to pray. And they said, Lord, give us boldness to go back and speak louder, clearer, and more powerful than we did before. They took their threat and said, we are not going to listen to man. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. Can I just say this morning, church, that if you have been with Jesus, if you have experienced of life-changing circumstances in the presence of a thrice-holy God, the voice of God is stronger than the voice of men. The reason that the world has overcome our Christian culture, and as President Obama said, we're no longer a Christian nation, which he's probably correct. Now, that may ruffle some of you, but, I mean, if you look at what's going on in America, I mean, if you look at where we're headed, it doesn't really line up with our words. So that's probably a lot of truth to that statement. The reason that those things happen in a nation is because people have not been with Jesus. And when we do not spend time with Jesus, our life, <coughs> gracious, our life, we're not willing to stand and die. <clears throat> we're not willing to stand and die for what we believe in. We just kind of, oh well, push over. Now, here's why this is important. They begin to pray. The power of God took place. And the earth began to shake. Oh, preacher, this is one of those scriptures I don't believe. There's no way that could really happen. <clears throat> well, the Bible teaches about Duncan Campbell, a great revivalist, who went to an island, the Herbides Island, and began to pray, pray for revival. The whole city, they went out and they, they canvassed this area. They began to pass out flyers. They began to to uh, invite people to revival. And all the, religious all the political and religious leaders came behind them and said, no, don't do that, don't do that, and was undoing everything they were doing. And so they went for revival time and nobody showed up. So they, he took his core group that he had, just a few people, and they went and found a barn. And they began to pray. And they began to pray, and they prayed, and they prayed in this barn. About 2 in the morning, God moved on Duncan's life to call on a 12-year-old boy to pray. And this boy began to pray a very simple prayer. And when he began to pray, their barn began to shake. The earth began to shake. And you know what it was? The power of God. And they, they went out and they... They thought it was an earthquake, and they went out and opened the doors of the barn and began to go out in the streets 
And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, the, the wee hours of the morning, people were running. Running to the tent that was set up for the revival meeting. The earth was shaking because God was moving in the wee hours of the morning in the hearts and the lives of the people. And the people were responding to the voice of God. And they were moving in such with such force that it was shaking things around them. That's not made up. That's not fictitious. That's the truth. And it happened last century. It happened in the 1900s. Matter of fact, you can go on the internet and listen to Duncan's preaching today. When we begin to move and we begin to get hungry and we begin to pray for boldness, the power of God will begin to manifest itself in our hearts and lives. And so that's what they were doing. All right, now you ready? Here's where we are. So they're praying, the earth's shaking. In your Bible, in Acts chapter 4, it says in verse 32, Now the multitude... Of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of his possessions was his own. But instead they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were given the testimony. Given the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace. Well there's a phrase. Underline that in your Bible. Great grace was on. All of them. For there was not a needy person among them. Now here's the reason the church is the answer for a lot of the world's problems. Because in our country we have been fighting poverty since the, since the early 60s. Or in, maybe even back to the 50s. War on poverty. And there's more people in poverty in our country today than ever before. Now I'm not getting off on a political spin here. I'm just trying to tell you that government is never the solution. God gave a solution. It was a church. And here's what happened. It says there was not a needy person among them because all who owned their lands and their houses and sold them and they brought the proceeds of those things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet. Then they distributed to anyone who had need. (laughs) And for everybody who has a problem where God said, I just want you to kind of give me back 10%, you would say amen right here. And so Joseph, a Levite, came, whom the apostles named Barnabas, translated son of encouragement. He sold a field that he owned. He brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. Now here's what was happening. Ministry was happening. Good stuff was happening. You say, I thought you was going to preach on a transitional moment in the home. That sounds like you're still on a transitional moment in the church. You got to get it straight, Pastor. Well, let's go into the next verse. But. Man, those little conjunctions in the Word of God can really mess up good Bible reading. I mean, there you are enjoying what you're reading, and then you read that little word, but, and then, man, a lot of times, that's where he really starts getting close to the heart. But there was a man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, and they sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at his apostles' feet. Then Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field? Was it not yours while you possessed it? And by the way, was it not yours after you sold it? Wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you have planned, circle that, planned this thing in your heart and you have not lied to men but you lied to God? When you heard these words, Ananias dropped dead. And great fear came on all those who heard it. Young men wrapped him up and carried him off. Now, verse 7. Then there was an interval about three hours. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Said, tell me, Peter, ask her, did you sell a piece of property for this? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit? Underline that in your Bible. Test the spirit of the Lord. Look. Circle that in your Bible. That word look. Look and see. The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And instantly she dropped dead. And uh, and when the young men came, carried her out. Buried her beside her husband. 
then great fear came on the whole church. <laughs> well, you kind of understand why, amen? <clears throat> anyway, so here's the thing that I want you to really grab this morning. <clears throat> There's a lot of similarities in this message and the first message that dealt with us personally. The message with Adam and Eve, because Adam and Eve were together when they took the fruit. You remember we looked at that. The serpent was talking to, Satan was talking to Eve, and they talked about the fruit, and he said, yes, look, this food is, food is good, the fruit's good, and Eve said, yes, this, this fruit is good. And so she took it and ate it, and then she turned, the Bible says, and gave it to her husband, and he ate it. Now remember, we looked in that message that Adam wasn't off hunting somewhere on some wild safari in another country, but he was in the garden with her when all that was going on. And so together, they found themselves in a predicament. And they went hiding from God. God came looking for them. And you remember, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the devil. And so we see the same thing here in this passage of Scripture. Peter says, why did you allow Satan to deceive you and test the spirit? Why did you allow him to do that? The first thing I want you to write down about this is the power of God. When you're in a transformation, transitional church and they were in a transitional church the only way you will ever be part of a transitional church that will become a church of transformation begins at home understand they didn't find a building where the transforming power was happening and joined them the transforming power began to happen in the home and when they took what was in the home and met with a corporate group of believers what was working in the home came and began to work in the church what's going on in the church is a reflection of what's going on in the home what's going on in the home is what's going on in the church you will <coughs> good gracious <coughs> Mm. you will never have a healthy church without having healthy homes. Can I say that again? You will never have a healthy church without having healthy homes. If you have healthy homes, you will have healthy churches. Now, here's the good news, that God takes all that we've been through, all of our brokenness, all of our shattered dreams, and God can begin to get the glory from that. In my heart, in my life, the things that I've been through that have caused me great distress, great brokenness, and great depression on many cases has been turned around and God using it for His great grace. So here's the first thing that I want you to do today is if you are a born-again, blood-bought child of God, I want you to understand that what the devil meant for evil... God can use it for good. God can take what's broken, doomed, and damned and transform it into a trophy of grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's who he is. That's what he's doing. That's how he's working. But we have to get to that point where it happens. How does that happen? You get to a place where the power of God is. What God is looking for is a group of people that are willing to come together and be united. Not united in, in strategy, not, not united in what we're going to do and where we're going to go and where we're going to do ministry. Those are, those are extra things. But you be united in the common purpose that God has a plan for our heart and our life that is greater than we are. And God wants to use us. There was the power of God. The power of God was moving. I mean, they were praying. They were healing the sick. They were healing the cripple. I mean, they were being summoned to the political leaders, to the religious leaders, and saying, don't do that anymore. Does that sound familiar in the Christian world today? Don't set your manger out anymore. Don't read your Bible in public anymore. Don't pray in public anymore. And we creep back into the corner and say, Okay, I won't do those things. Please just be nice to me. Please let me be accepted in my circle of influence. And we take our Christianity and we come over here in our cubicle and we sit down in it and we mind our own business. Amen. We won't share a word of encouragement. 
Because we don't have a word of encouragement. We won't share a word of exhortation because we don't have a word of exhortation because we hadn't been with Jesus. But in our personal life, when we spend time with Jesus, it begins to transform us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. You're, you're not going to change America when the, you're not going to change Alexandria and you're not going to change your office complex and your school, young people, with a nativity scene. If the only thing they ever see of Jesus is when he's a baby in the manger, you got bigger problems than you realize. The baby in the manger is not where the power was lying. It was when he was a king on the cross. A king on the cross. Jesus Christ, the king on the cross. When the blood was shedding down Calvary's cross, that's where the transforming power was coming from. It was coming three days later whenever the world placed him in a tomb and rolled a stone over it and put rest in peace, you troublemaker. It was on that third day when God the Father began to wake up the Son and say, your mission is not finished. Get up. Fold up those grave clothes and lay them there. It was at that moment that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ began to resonate inside his heart, began to resonate inside of his life. The power of the resurrection. Listen, when you begin to experience the power of God in your personal life, you don't care what people are saying about you. If you're being persecuted, it's a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Paul wrote the church of Galatia. He said, I bear in my body the marks of the cross. That word marks in the Greek meant the word stigma, which is where we get our work, our word where we, we brand somebody. I mean, people who are in the military, they love to brand their body with a tattoo that says, I was part of this division, I was part of this, and they wear it with pride. It was one of the most significant things in their life. Paul said, I bear in my body marks that I've been close to Jesus. And what I want you to know today is what God is looking for is people who's not all worked up about a baby in a manger and not all worked up about some Ten Commandments that he fulfilled over 2,000 years ago. We couldn't keep them 2,000 years ago. We can't keep them today. He's not worried about somebody keeping all ten of them. He just wants you to focus on two of them. He took the ten and made two and said, You shall just love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you'll have the first four covered. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and you'll have all the rest. He love your neighbor like yourself. You won't cheat with his wife. You won't steal his gun. You won't steal his lawnmower. You won't steal his dog. I mean, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't honor the Ten Commandments, but I'm telling you that Jesus fulfilled that for us, which we could not fulfill. The power of God is not resting in tablets of stone made by man, but it's in you. It's in me where the power of God wants to resonate. They asked Paul about a letter of accommodation. He said, you are my letter of accommodation. Now, the power of God needs to rest upon a group of people before there will ever be a transformational church. So before there can ever be a transformational church, there's got to be some transformational homes. Some transformational homes. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard to have quiet time. Personally, it's hard to have quiet time as a family. But what God is trying to do in our hearts and lives is bring the power of God into our life. And God wants to move in our hearts. And God wants to move in our life. And we can have a transformational home. And what was happening here was that was exactly what was moving. People's lives was being transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus. It was being manifested through their little bitty baby church. And as a result, here came this lovely couple named Ananias and Sapphira who was caught up in the movement. Now, the worst thing that can ever happen to us is to get caught up in a movement. Christianity is not a movement. It's a lifestyle. Can I say that again? 
Christianity is not a movement, it's a lifestyle. Christianity is not forced upon you, it's a choice. And when we choose to lay our life down and die to Christ and receive his life, we have a new life in Christ. Now then, if old things are passed away and all things have become to you, you are now an ambassador for Jesus Christ, is what it teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. The power of God rested upon them. It was on their church. It was in Barnabas' life. Now what happened was revival broke out. When revival really breaks out, a lot of times giving breaks out. I've seen it happen in my ministry. Revival breaks out, giving breaks out. I mean, I, we, 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 we fell into revival one time. I had two revivals at the same church. One of them. In about four days, we saw 90 people come to Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's really called a spiritual awakening. A lot of people who were lost were saved. That next Sunday, I mean, you would think we'd have come to church that next Sunday after we finished on that Saturday night, 90 people giving their heart to Jesus Christ. You'd think we'd come in there a Sunday morning, I mean, ready to charge hell with a broken water pistol. But that was one of the most dead, dull services in my whole ministry. Because of a spiritual awakening. And that same church had revival one time. Nobody made a decision for Christ. But I am telling you, God did some big stuff. Man, we started having people going down to the local hardware store, paying bills they had skipped out on. Going to the bank, making debts they had fallen short on. Making good on it. That's called revival. When the revival begins to stir in the hearts of the people, a lot of time giving begins to break out. It begins to move. It begins to ignite. It begins to stir. And history is full of revivals that take place where giving breaks out. And so revival was happening inwardly. And because it was happening inwardly, people were wanting to do whatever they could externally to show the manifest power of God that was working in their hearts and their life. Are you with me? Say amen. And so as it was, they were just doing whatever they could. And so they were given, they were given, they were thinking, man, you know what, I got a piece of land over there. I hadn't been to that land in a long time. I'm just going to sell that land. I don't have any money, but I got a piece of land. I'm going to take that land and sell it and give it to the church. And they took the money, they took the proceeds, and they began to do ministry. And so here comes Ananias and Sapphira, and they were part of the movement. They weren't part of the, they weren't part of the organism. And they thought, man, this, this feels good. Man, I, I, I've seen people, they get in on the feel-good emotion. I mean, they'll give their heart to Jesus and you'll never see them again. And it, it becomes an emotional thing. It becomes an emotional frenzy. And so all these things was happening. And Ananias and Sapphira came along and they were like, man, we need to get in on that. Everybody's, you know, they were in a revival of giving. So a lot of times peer pressure sets in. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but it was probably what was happening. Well, Barnabas did that. Come on. Come on, Sapphira. You know, we look bad. We got this piece of land. We're not doing nothing with it. We could, we could sell it and give it to the church. I tell you what. Let's, let's just sell it and give it to the church and say we sold it for such and such amount and let's just keep the rest. You know. Now, understand something about here. The power of God was working. But was mo- what was most interesting in this thing was the presence of God. Where the power of God is, there is the presence of God. If there's no presence of God, there will be no power of God. I may need to say that again. Where there is no presence of God, there will be no power of God. Power cannot come without presence. Are we praying for God's power in our home? Okay, is God's presence there? If God's presence is in your home, his power will be in your home. Amen. So here's the thing. His presence was there, but when God's presence is there and his power is there, it creates a problem for us because we're brought to a point of decision. And we have to make a decision. What am I going to do with what I've heard? What am I going to do with what I heard? And we either, A, have to say, okay, Lord, you're speaking to my heart. I will do what you're telling me. Or B, I will do a modified version of that, and I will try to make a deal with you. And need I say, B never works out well. I've been on the short end of that stick many times. I mean, it's just easy to negotiate a settlement with God on our behalf. 
And we think it's easy, but it was never really settled. God's still sticking to his original premise. Or C, we can just disobey and say, no, Lord, not right now. Not right now. That's not what I want. That's not what I'm willing to do. And so <clears throat> what God wants to do is bring us to a point of decision when his power is there and his presence is there, we have a problem because we have to make a decision on what we're going to do with God speaking to our heart and life. I remember before I became tactful in the ministry, you say, well, man, you're tactful now. I'd hate to see you when you were brassy. God bless their hearts. I had this girl one time, God was dealing with her about something. Of, of huge significance that would change the lives of her and people she was connected to. And she had made a decision that she was not going to obey God. And I told her, she had brought her Bible, and we were talking to her. And I said, I bet you in the front of your Bible, you have the day that you made a decision to accept Christ in front of your Bible. I bet you have the day, the month, and the year. And she opened it up, sure enough, she did. That was her spiritual birthday. I said, would you mind writing today's date underneath that? Because today is the day that you chose to reject God. He said, Pastor, that's crazy. Well, isn't it the truth, really? See, we make a decision. God wants to take us to the next level in our personal life. God will take you to the next level in your personal life. He'll take your home to the next level. And then if he'll take your home to the next level, he will take your church to the next level. If he takes your church to the next level, it will take your community to the next level. Amen? If your community goes to the next level, then all the things around you will begin to go to the next level. That's how God works. Where does it start? In our heart. Where does it move to? In our home. If it never starts in our home, it never, if it never starts in our heart, it never moves in our home. If it never moves in our home, it never moves in the church. If it never moves in the church, then it never moves in your city. And if it never moves in your city, then people are still damned, doomed, and desperate and have no hope. So here's the thing that I want you to understand. That when God's power is there, when his presence is there, when his presence is there, we have a problem. We have to make a decision. Am I going to serve God today? Am I going to obey? Now the problem with God, well, the problem with Ananias and Sapphira was not that God said, I want you to give me your house. I want you to give me your car. I want you, or your chariot. I want you to give me your land. That wasn't what God was saying. Revival had broke out and giving had broke out. And as a result, people were giving. But the problem with them was that they just wanted to have religion, religious showmanship. So in their home, they made a decision. We're going to be a hypocrite. A hypocrite. We're going to say one thing and do something else. Amen? Are you all with me? We're going to say one thing, and we're going to do something else. So they made this decision. And I love what Peter told Ananias. Dude, was it not yours before you sold it? Was it not yours after you sold it? So right there, we know it wasn't that God was just trying to get all their property. It wasn't that the church leaders were trying to get their property. Although there are some church leaders today or some preachers today, they'll try to get everything you got. It was about the obedience of the heart. And he said, why have you chosen to not lie to men, but to lie to God? And their life took a huge turn for the worse. See, when his power is there and his presence there, there becomes a problem. We have to deal with the problem. The problem is, do I obey or do I sacrifice? Do I walk in obedience or do I walk in disobedience? In 2013, I want to encourage you to lead your home in the direction God wants you to go. It's going to be hard to fight your flesh. 
But if you will give it all to the Lord, you can walk in victory. You can walk <laughs> in victory. <clears throat> God never called you to do something that he hadn't already first provided for you. <clears throat> the problem is you have to be willing to trust him. If you trust him, there will be a great peace in your life. Barnabas faced the same decision, but he had great peace. The other ones had great turmoil. Why? Wasn't because God wanted all their land. God just wanted them to tell the church. We sold our land for this much. We need this amount of money. We're keeping it. Here's what we're giving to the church. He says, wasn't it yours before? Wasn't it yours afterwards to dispose of? Obey. Don't put on religious showmanship. It's so easy to do that. I mean, people tell you all the time, well, I, Pastor, I'd go to church, but man, there's just so many hypocrites there. I mean, you can either go to church with them or to hell with them. I mean, which one's better? I mean, the first church you found out a hypocrite, whew, you're going to be in heaven. Why? Because we all struggle with the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. So there was the presence, there was the power, there was the problem, but then there's the peace. The peace fell on the church. And the whole rest of that book is phenomenal. I, one of my favorite scriptures is where they went and assaulted Jason's house. Because they said, these are those boys that are turning the world upside down for Jesus. And now they've come to our city. Now they've come to our city. Why would they say such a thing? Because they were living it out. 2013. <clears throat> Point your home in the direction of home. Point your home in the direction that God's leading you. Will it be easy? No. Will it be worth it? Yes. Will you have victory? Yes. Our church is dependent on you. Your city is dependent on you. To give your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your spirit to Jesus Christ. And then to love your neighbor as yourself with no strings attached it will change people all around you will you be willing to be the conduit that God pours through will you be willing to be the catalyst that he uses to make a difference Church, we're heading into some different times as a country. We're heading into some hard times globally. I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist. The bottom line is this. In a world that's going down, we need to live like we're going up. In a world that's spinning out of control, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Will you trust him? One of the greatest old hymns was trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet. When we trust and obey. There's a lot of changes I have to make in my personal life. There's a lot of changes that Christy and I have already talked about. Some things in the new year that we want to do differently. It will help sure up our home. Make our family bond stronger. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't walk out. Buckle up. Hunker down. Believe God. Trust Him. And obey what He tells you to do. And you will have a strong home. You will be able to have a home that can make it in transitional times. And your home will be the catalyst 
to have a transitional church that can become transformation. With your head bowed this morning. Would you obey God? Would you submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and walk in victory? Let him have his way in your heart, in your life, today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand to your feet today. you obey? Would you follow? How about you this morning? This altar's open. We'll have some people here to pray with you. Maybe you're trying to find your way. You don't really know what it is. God's speaking to your heart. Won't you just come? Kneel at the altar. Let's be a transformational, let's have transformational homes and transformational churches. Our world needs you. It's not about signing petitions to prop up Christian symbols. And please don't leave here thinking I'm against them. Don't, Don't do that. I'm just saying it's about signing a contract to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Won't you come today? Let God speak to you right now this morning. Let's do business with the Lord. you, ma'am, husband's wife, how about you make your way to the altar as a couple and say, God, what do you want us to do? What are you speaking to our hearts? i 
pray that you, now this is a difficult sermon, amen, I mean it's something you have to process, pray about as a couple, <clears throat> as leader of your home, what direction will you head? And so through the holidays, let this be a time of prayer. What does God want to do differently in your life for the new year? Please let him use you. Please partner with him. God has such great plans for you. You can go, I mean, you don't have to do it here. Go somewhere. Plug in. Make a difference for the glory of God. He'll change your life. He'll change your home. And he'll change your workplace. He'll change your community if you let him. Well, I apologize for all the hacking and coughing and spitting and sputtering, but we made it through it, amen, by the grace of God. If you're here and you're worshiping with us for the first time today, it was such a privilege to have you. You've been a blessing to our heart and our life, and hope you'll come back, fill out our family a little more, learn a little bit more about us and our goals and visions, and, and uh, just pray for us, amen? Ask God to use us as a family in a mighty way <clears throat> a couple of things and announcements are in the <coughs> foyer <clears throat> on the televisions if you hadn't seen them make sure you look at them before you head out a couple of things of importance next Sunday we'll launch our Christmas series next Wednesday we'll be going out Christmas caroling if you want to help with that or are you going to participate in that please let Christy know we're just trying to make a list of everybody that we have. Um, also, <clears throat> we're going to bring a trailer, have it back here in the building. If somebody wants to decorate it or do whatever you want to, that'll be good stuff. We're going to try to bring that early as the next weekend if we can. That way you can work on it over the weekend. Have that ready. What day is your luncheon for Peru? Next Sunday. Here's a good plan. Next Sunday you can stay, have lunch. Uh, it's going to be a Peruvian meal represent what our church family in Peru eats <clears throat> everybody goes somewhere eats Sunday lunch and uh, stay and have that we do everything here don't ever charge anything but if you'd like to make a donation next week it'll be to help our team that's going at the end of the month first of the month uh, to Peru and uh, support that ministry <clears throat> then we could stay get a belly full work on our trailer make that cool for the Christmas Carol. We had a wonderful time last year. And uh, so, man, it really impacted a neighborhood, our neighborhoods. And so, uh, let's be part of that. If you weren't, one more information. See Clyde, Gladys, Christie, somebody. And we'll have a good time. Amen. Then our house churches, this will be your last week in house church till the first of the year. Um, so next Wednesday, after that will be the Christmas Carol. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord. Amen. All right. James. Amen. Anything else? All right. Well, be sure you hug Kyle's neck, Kagan. And uh, is this your last Sunday? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. All right. Well, you can wait till next Sunday before you 
crying, slobbering, drool all over them. So, <laughs> amen. Thank you all for leading worship today. Amen. And uh, everybody who helped make that possible. John? John's gone. He's gone. John Swope played the drums for us today. It's great to have him. Good stuff. Tyron. Tyron is trying to go see his daughter in uh, San Arizona. I got his phone number on the back of my sticky note somewhere here. All right. 880-6483. He's trying to wash cars to raise some money to pay his plane fare. That's uh, 880-6483. If you'd like to make an appointment, uh, he's here at the church washing them. Make an appointment. Come and have that done i know it'd be a blessing to him amen all right <clears throat> he does a good job he was he does a great job but he's got this thing going he washed mine and it rained the same day so now i think he's i think he's praying for rain so he can wash it again amen <laughs> amen yeah good stuff all right you can be dismissed today